Everyone's saying out there, doom and gloom, oh, I'm not, I'm going to sit on the silence. And you talked about it a minute ago. I'm over that. And in fact, I think people need to seize the opportunity. And if done correctly right now, this is an opportunity. There's a lot of reasons to think the tide is turning. So now everyone's going in opposite direction. What is the next tide to come? And can you catch that wave earlier? Welcome back to the Master Keys Podcast. This is Neil Andrino. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. This is Chandler Halliburton. We are real estate agents and real estate investors. We got about 200 plus units, uh, about $50 million worth of real estate here in Nova Scotia, Canada. And then as real estate agents, we've sold over $350 million worth of real estate in our career. So we talk about wealth building and real estate investment. Uh, and thanks so much for listening. Yeah. So if you're this first time tuning in this Masterpiece podcast, like you said, we talk about investing, real estate uh, investment, the news, what's going on. Yep. And we try and kind of give you our best insight, even though we're not financial advisors. We're just trying to keep you in the loop. So if you're into that, if you find any of this content valuable, don't forget to like, subscribe, follow all that good stuff. A lot of you guys have been doing it. And a lot of you have been asking for the conspiracy show episode. We've been teasing it for a while. We've got a deal for you. What's the yeah. deal? The deal is if we get 100 likes on this video we will make the conspiracy episode. Also, drop your conspiracy comments and questions in the YouTube video or anywhere, really, and we'll collect them up and we'll bring them on. You guys know I love to Yeah, let's take conspire. this to a dark place here. Let's go dark web, conspiracy theory. Hit us exactly. up in the comments, but don't, don't forget, 100 likes, and then that episode drops, but not before then. We're going to talk about some awesome stuff today, including why is this the best time to buy? I'm tired of hearing all this, you know, doom and gloom, and we're guilty of that, but this yeah. is the best time to buy. I, I think so. I think this is a great time to buy. Um, I'm back in shopping. I think you might be shopping right now. Uh, I have a lot of clients that I'm helping to get into stuff right now. So I, I think we're, like you said, we're seeing a lot of doom and gloom out there. Every title, every video, every reel is doom and gloom. And yeah, we are guilty of saying some stuff. Um, but we're going to talk about that a little bit later on and why we think that this is the greatest time to buy. You can still make money on, on real estate, whether you're investing or buying your own personal home. Um, but yeah, it's time to, to be contrarian. It's time to buy. Um, we're getting into some quick news. Man, I had to get this right off the hop. Yeah. Your boy, Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. I'm going to put him he's on He's not you. my boy. How did, every, rich, every rich guy just becomes my boy. Man, so his national, he's got uh, one of his golf courses is in uh, Bedminster, New Jersey. And his ex-wife, Ivana Trump, recently passed away. R.I.P. Mm. Ivanka's mom. And he buried her at the golf course. And as a result, he could potentially qualify for all kinds of property tax benefits and tax benefits in general at his golf course. That's just so weird on so many levels. Kind of morbid when he's like, I know we're all mourning right now. Thoughts on putting her at the golf course? Apparently she's like right by like the number one tee or something like that. Do you think he like presented it like he was doing them everyone a big favor? Like I will donate the land... No, so here's the thing, like, and there's some backstory to this. He's obviously, like him or hate him, he's he's apparently pretty tax savvy. It may come back to hurt him. Um, <laughs> but savvy. he has looked at doing different things around this golf course. And there's limitations as to how much of land you can use for different things. Uh, one of the things is he took a parcel of land and said it was farmland so he could get a tax benefit. And the reason he could say it was farmland was because they cut down some trees and turned them into mulch to then use at the gardens on the golf course. And so that constituted farm uses, and he got the property tax down. (laughs) This particular one is if you have something recognized as a cemetery, you then, again, way lower property tax. Um, It's something like the only thing that you can be taxed on there at that property is like selling reeds and uh, flowers. People love to hate him, but 
I mean, I don't even think he's necessarily thinking of this. He probably has a team of guys that are sort a team of people that are sorting this out. Um, but there's also a ton of people that do this that aren't Donald Trump, so they don't take all the public hate. Ooh, I feel like yeah. he is just the front runner for all the beef. Like this if you're is like, I want to hate somebody in real estate. Yeah, Trump's your guy. But this is next level. Like, man, I'm gonna th- strategize where to bury my ex-wife <laughs> to get a tax benefit. That is. That, that that's is what some I mean. He's evil genius type stuff he, right there. He's pushing it to the limits with that one. But he's also trying to like get the uh, set up like a whole family cemetery there. Um, <laughs> and he inf- himself has said multiple times he wants to be buried there. Um, but it's interesting to to look at that as a, as a pretty savvy way. If he makes it a family cemetery, then why is it being taxed as whatever commercial real estate would be? Yeah. So no, that's a that's an interesting one. I'm I'm glad you. Uh, say that i'm 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 just like again i look at the, the strategies that we make to make the deals go through and i'm like again i think this is just the strategy the mulching one's kind of neat too the farmland i think that one happens a lot where people do like slightly modified uses on properties to make them go through um i just wonder what the rest of their family thinks about that like she presumably has her own immediate family that um may not be super pumped that that's where she's buried but whatever what else you got in the news yeah so speaking of evil geniuses Jeff Bezos is also in the news. Also your boy as well. Also apparently my boy, him, Elon Musk, even though I don't think they're best of friends. Um, he helped his parents out by buying some side-by-side properties in Florida for a cool $78 million. Yeah, I heard about this. I think it's always nice. You know, we're trying to grow our businesses and, and yeah. do do well. It's to nice to take family. care of your parents and your extended family. Uh, buying them two properties side-by-side for $78 million is maybe a little more than I'm going to do for Susan, but... <laughs> But you know what? We're all like, this is insane. When you again, you look at a percentage of what money he has to how much he spent there. This is like you buying Susan dinner. I suppose so. Yeah. So you know what? I think take you have an opportunity to, to compete. Take her to Steak and Stein for a real nice blooming onion. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not from Halifax, Steak and Stein is an old school diner that we have here yep. that makes a very salty steak. Um, it's delicious, and it's it is. Delicious. It's an acquired taste. Yeah, and I guess what he's done is he's bought the one host for them, and the other host is for when he visits them. I would them. say it's for when he visits, exactly. It's Which is crazy. Like, he doesn't even want to stay in the same house as his parents, so he buys the house adjacent so he can visit them. Um, it's not all good news for everyone down in the States, though. Um, the Fed raised their um, their overnight bank rate uh, range by 75 basis points. So yeah. that's another hike that happened just recently. And what was... Interesting about that is technically, and there's a lot of debate around this, but technically the U.S. is in what one would define as a recession because there have been multiple reports come out by these uh, economic bureaus that, that do these uh, analyses that both quarter one and quarter two, they have had a contraction in real GDP. And by definition, a recession is a contraction in GDP for more than one quarter okay. or one reporting period. So technically they have had back-to-back quarters of um, negative GDP uh, real GDP growth. So they're in a recession, but unemployment is still super, super low. So some people are saying, well, this isn't a recession because unemployment is still really, really low and the economy is still trucking along and blah, blah, blah. But you can make the argument that they're already in a recession, but they're still going ahead with these bank increases. Yeah. The only thing that's going to keep this alive is unemployment staying low. But if GDP keeps continuing to drop, at some point, companies are going to make cuts and layoffs. We've talked about it before about a bunch of companies that did make a bunch of cuts and layoffs. Um, even actually another thing in the news that just came out is Tinder in the metaverse. So they had two things near and dear to your heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a girlfriend. I uh, love her very much. She's hopefully uh, listening. Uh, um, don't have Tinder anymore, but Tinder had their own land in the metaverse. Uh, I think it was match match world. 
Um, and they were hoping that people could meet on there oh, and yeah. kind of then take it to the real Crazy. world. Um, but they're actually pulling out. And so, like, this is another thing where they're kind of they're nuking that entire division of it. They were losing too much money doing this project, similar to a lot of companies involved in the metaverse right now. But again, there's a lot of this going on in the tech space. Um, they're all very highly leveraged, and so these interest rate hikes are impacting them in a big way. Um, and also, a lot of people invest in these companies when they have extra cash because they are risky plays, and so a lot of them are pulling that back. Um, so, again, if it's hard for them to keep unemployment this low with things continuing to move forward like this. Yeah, it's inevitable. There's just that lag, right? There's that lag between yeah. the interest rates and the actual real GDP reporting. And then also the GDP reporting itself is kind of lagging behind, like, you know, contracts push out many months. So that includes employment contracts. So these things are going to lag, which is why it makes sense to think that the quote-unquote worst is ahead. Like there's, there's going to be more recessionary um, trending, not less. Um, and both the Fed in the U.S. and the central bank here in Canada are aggressively targeting low inflation. We're talking like two percent. So in the U.S., they're they're still considering another, you know, couple hundred basis points increase on their on their interest rates. Yeah. So again, I'm I'm with you. Like I'm 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 unsure if the worst is yet to come or what's going to happen. And you get mixed reviews from both. Um, from all parties, I guess. Like everyone I talk to, like half of them are saying, no, 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 like we're going to make it through this. We've seen now like the rate hikes, it did what it, we wanted it to do. Now they're going to start to cool off on the rate hikes. And then the other half is saying, no, no, there's more to come and this is going to hit really hard. Um, again, we're going to talk about it a bit more later on with why we think it's still a good time to buy, but yeah, I'm at, half and half on, on a lot of these items. At the risk of laughing about something that's kind of sad, in the 24 or 48 hours after the Fed uh, in the U.S. announced this rate hike, Google searches for the term how to sell my home fast increased by 27,000%. Yeah, that's yeah. Like that's just a sign of you know people panicking when they see these rate hikes. People know what's coming down the pipeline and a lot of them took on variable rates. We've talked about this at length, but the Google search really gives you a good read on what's going on in people's mind and that sort of skyrocketing in the number of searches for how to sell my home quickly indicates that there might be some distressed sellers out there who are starting to think, oh my gosh, at this new interest rate, am I going to be able to keep this house? And do you think that's because, well, as I say, do you think it's people thinking that they can they can be able to afford their current house or do you think it's people that want to lock in the gains that they made on their home? Right, i.e. get while the getting's good. I've known yeah. some people who have done that and we're going to talk about this a little bit in our main topic later where we talk about why this is such an awesome time to buy is that there are some sellers who, whether on purpose or not, accidentally timed the market amazingly and sold, got a boatload of cash. And if there is a bit of a, of a lull and a, and a bottoming happening right now, they could potentially go back and buy the equivalent of the same home they just sold for $100,000 less. Yeah, and even with an interest rate higher, like we've discussed, I think we talked about in the last episode, like, and we'll talk about it later, but the interest cost, the differential relative to what they're going to make on their home is is negligible, really. Yeah. Not negligible, but like it's it's still worth making the move the way that they're doing it. Yeah, yeah, totally. So. Um, I did see this thing too, and I just thought about this because I was looking at your watch, that because like the crypto space is collapsing, yes. there's yes. actually been this increase in availability of luxury watches on the resale market. This isn't something I follow, but I feel like you might be a bit tapped into this. I am a bit tapped into this, and it's been the most frustrating thing ever because, to be honest with you, growing up, one of the things that I wanted and said, like, this is like an achievement for me is I want to get a Rolex. And like, they're 
like the base models are probably around ten to twelve thousand bucks, and they go up That's from there. That's new or used? New. Okay. So I think they're a bit more than that now. Probably a little bit closer to like fourteen grand. Yeah. Um, but they're on delayed back order for like years now. And they have been for probably about a year. Like cars, like all boats, like a lot of luxury items. Yeah, and all exactly. All these luxury items, You, if you got them, you could instantly resell them for double. Like people, there's ones, I forget which one it is, but it's got the, like the Tiffany blue and people are buying them for 15,000 bucks, instantly reselling them for 40 grand, right? Like the demand was through the roof and we talked about this before, but when this starts happening, people sell their non- uh, required assets and their non-required items first. So things like crypto, luxury goods, boats, luxury cars, those, they don't need those things to live, right? So they're going to sell them off. And I, so I was kind of <laughs> selfishly hoping that this would happen in some way so I can get in because right now in Halifax, we have one Rolex dealer and they have 60 deposits on right now uh, to try and wow. get a watch okay. and they just get a few of them every month, a few. Yeah. And so they're barely servicing their, their Man, it's called pawn shops in Dartmouth, bro. I can get you a Rolex <laughs> real quick. Get you I, a real nice deal. Yeah, I'm sure they're fully legit real with papers and box. But um, yeah, so I think this was kind of expected. I, I have an app, and I'm sure a lot of you guys do too, Chrono24, and they run it almost like a stock market. So they show the values on charts and you can literally see based on the transactions that are going of through. Of watches? Okay, no way. Yeah, so some Man. of the, the more marked up ones like that tiffany blue that i was talking about those are down i think around 25 percent um they're still way over sticker still way over sticker but they're down a bunch the the more normalized um steel-based watches are at a, a more level level pricing mm-hmm. still they've come down a little bit but they were never extremely marked up they were up maybe they were marked up maybe 20 percent um but yeah this is a very interesting time to see all of those items that are kind of People, it's happened in the past, and everyone kind of predicted these things would happen. We also did. Uh, it is kind of going through, so that's why I'm like, there's mm. probably more to come. And if you're in the market, like I had a few people message me after our last episode being like, hey, I'm thinking about getting a car. I'm like, just hold off. Hold off for a little longer. Hold off. Like They're coming down, and they're going to keep coming down. Mm. Um, so. I'm more of a Casio guy myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the old Iron Man watch. There's some Casios that hold some serious value. Yeah, yeah, okay. So good to know. Good but to know. Uh, if I anyone has a really good connect calculator on it, on that's, a, that's uh, a good watch. Yeah, that's that one's a popular. That's probably the most popular Casio, I think. I I'm not super big into watches, but if anyone has a good connect on a list price Roly, please let me know. I would like to to get one. I'd like to check that box off in like my progression of things that I wanted to have. But uh, anyways, yeah. Um, any other interesting news for the people out there listening before we get into um, our, so, our big talk? Here? Yeah, so I want I want to talk a little bit about one thing that was also happening in the states. Everything's in the states, I guess, but uh, they just have a much bigger market and a crazier market. This was yeah. a crazy one to me, but in New York, there is a family with a fairly large real estate empire. They've they've labeled it as I think the news article may have blown it out of the water. Um, empire, but they have gained a lot of their property through deed fraud, which. Is okay. basically there. I think they're going and they're offering people like take out mortgages towards retirement. So you'll see that sometimes like it's a reverse oh, yeah. mortgage yeah. where you can take some money out of your home and then you they get your home when you when you pass and they can sell that and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, I believe that in the package of documents, they're signing it up to take ownership of the home early. Um, right. Okay. And they're 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 then basically foreclosing on the property and booting you out. Ooh. And this is a big thing. And in the States, they can pull it off apparently with like one signed document. Um, and so 
there's just a big investigation going on with this family right now to look at that. And again, I haven't done all the details. I've been trying to learn how exactly how this deed fraud works and why it's so common. <laughs> why? Why are you trying to learn? I, I don't want it to happen to me, oh, okay, Chandler. Okay, okay. I don't know what you're insinuating. Um, but uh, to me, that just blew my mind that like deed fraud could so easily take place. And like, I don't think that takes place in Canada. And I, I don't totally understand again why and what the difference hmm. is. Yeah. Um, but like, I, maybe it's because you're able to sign documents without a lawyer present, certain documentation that would actually eventually become legal binding that they can take your property versus here you have to go through lawyers and no lawyer is going to over, you know what I mean, miss that. Or if they do, they're going to end up paying they're out gonna for your They're going to be and all these sort of things. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Uh, I mean, we talked a little bit about this and you can check out our Patreon where we go into more depth on like private money, financing deals creatively, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of people come into property by privately lending uh, against it. You know, a, a distressed owner comes to a private lender and says, hey, I need this money on a property. And then they can't make those payments. And very quickly, the private lender takes that money back. Um, so uh, interesting. There's all kinds of ways to get property. Some of them not as uh, not as conventional, not as maybe nice as others. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've got something from New York, just while we're staying in the okay. States for a second. Yeah. Uh, we talked a lot about rental rates and how they've been going nuts. So the price of housing may be coming down a little bit, but rental rates are going through the roof. And there was something that at first glance I thought was going to be good news for renters out there. Uh, Street Easy, which is one of these rental market analysis companies, they kind of do data and research on, on the market for, for rentals specifically. They found that in the second quarter of 2022, there was actually a 14% increase in the number of single family family homes for rent available in New York, New York City. So I was like, okay, that's good news. There's 64,000 or 65,000 more single family homes uh, available, but they're actually continuing to increase in price. And in fact, the only mm. reason they're coming available is because the tenants who signed those leases uh, at the start of COVID got such sweetheart deals that now they can't afford because those units uh, aren't okay. rent protected or anything like that. So people may forget this, but when the real estate market went panic mode at the start of COVID and everyone, especially in New York, we forget how crazy things were in New York. Yeah. Like New York City was evacuated borderline yeah. and you could rent an apartment for really cheap. And so a lot of people upgraded Relative. to New York cheap. New York cheap. A lot of people upgraded to maybe bigger units or nicer units than they could have otherwise afforded. And now two years later, rents are skyrocketing. And based on the study that Street Easy did, of those 64,000 units, about a third of them were only available because the tenant could no longer afford the unit because their rents had gone up so much in the two years of the pandemic. So there's more units available, but the rents are, are higher than ever. That's that's kind of a weird phenomenon that's taking place, but I think it's going to continue like that. Like, again, there's two things that we've talked about a bunch of times before, and I keep referring to that stuff. But as rates go up, people's qualifications to purchase are going down, so yeah. they have to rent. And then 100%. there's also the sentiment idea where a lot of people are trying to sideline for a bit because they're expecting things to come down. Yeah, um, and if you live in a university town, uh, like we do, like Halifax is, has a big student population. The rental market is about to get even worse. We're in August now. The student rental demand is picking up. There's a lot of people who aren't moving out of their rentals because they're not purchasing. There's a lot of people just hunkering down and saying, I need to keep what I've got here. I can't risk, you know, trying to rent a new place. So the rental market is going to get tighter and tighter and tighter, which is going to drive rents upwards. So whether you're a landlord or you're someone looking to rent or if you're just kind of keeping tabs on your rental market in your area, especially if you're a student down, that's going to go up even higher. Yeah, totally. Oh. Um, 
on this note, last thing I want to kind of mention that I saw, and this is for all the Canadian listeners, which is predominantly who we have, um, is CRA cracking down on real estate-based taxes. And I don't mean property tax. I mean, like, flipping homes, um, being involved mm-hmm. in that business, yep. in, in, like rental income, Airbnb income. Yep. Um, and so they said that CRA has come up with another $300 million in penalties. Um, this is all oh, from goody. Better Dwelling. And they're starting to track down, like they're going after, yeah, so this year, $428 million in audit results based on real estate. So they, there's another $428 million owed. Um, and Jeepers. $67 million in penalties for it being late uh, on that money. So it's just, it's funny again to see like, so real estate's doing really well. So now they're putting all the task force on chasing down and cracking down on people in real estate. Not only that, we have a voting populace who all of a sudden thinks more tax and more government is the best thing going. I don't understand how we got to this point, but that seems to be the sentiment of a lot of people out there is that they want to aggressively tax and aggressively govern. So here we are, this is CRA doing that bidding. One of the things that they're going after, and this is a, you see it a lot probably in Ontario and BC, is they're saying, well, if you're only claiming hundred grand a year, but you're living in a $4 million house in BC, Mm-hmm. That's this is a good question. This is what they're flagging, and yeah. they're starting to track down and looking further into these people's situations, how they got into their properties and stuff like that. So they're trying to go after, I guess, what we've talked about before, which is like fraudulent mortgages or money laundering. Um, and so that they're saying they're basically making a task force to try and track these things down and try and get more into the nitty gritties. Um, even they're saying if people are getting unreported income from overseas. So they're saying, oh, we're just transferring in money that we had saved overseas. Yeah. Now they're trying to track it back and see if actually maybe they're making money over there and then they have to look at it as being paid across border and they got to start paying taxes as an income here. Yeah, um, what they're, it, it's, it seems like a logical thing to do is any of these individuals who are keeping their on-paper income low, right, for tax purposes, which mm-hmm. makes sense, it's usually because they own a corporation and they're getting dividends and all that sort of thing. But what if that corporation also isn't reporting the kind of income? It's one thing if the, you know the the person who makes a hundred thousand on paper living in a million dollar home, if there's a corporation behind the scenes that is being taxed and is generating revenue, that kind of makes sense. But what if that corporation doesn't support that sort of lifestyle exactly. either? Then then they're diving into. It. And I'm not saying that people should just be okay with tax evasion. I'm not saying that at all. But um, they're going to come for things. The trickle down, like, do you think they're really going to go after, like, the top super rich influential people? No. no. But they are going to come for your flips. Yep. They are going to come from your, for your Airbnbs. And I don't just mean on the sales tax and, and the transactional things of, of someone renting an Airbnb. I mean, if you go to sell that property and you do not pay in Canada here, um, you know, a, uh, an HST component of that, they're going to come for you. So... I know we've talked a lot about Airbnb, um, and we've talked a lot about flipping and all these things. You just need to be mindful that the winds of change could be blowing. The last one that we've discussed before, and I think a lot of people kind of think about or maybe maybe don't even know, is substantial renovation on homes. Oh, yeah. That's so that too, yeah. in a new home, everybody knows you pay HST on that home. It's, yep. just, it's usually just baked into the advertised price, so if it's a million dollar house then whatever 150 grand here would be considered tax a little bit less because obviously it's upwards but um they're now saying that also applies to substantially renovated homes so if you're a house flipper and you've bought a house that needed a full reno gut job that's a substantial reno and technically you're supposed to be like collecting hst on that i don't know how they're going to do this like 
Yeah, it's it's going to be a well. Here's the thing: like capital gains and, and that sort of stuff is sort of the honor system, um, and they they do put a lot of faith in you. Like, well, how much renovation did you do? Yeah, right. And if you if your accountant knows the allowable percentages, you just have to say those amounts. But you will also have to validate that somehow. Um, cause I, I, I can't remember what the threshold is, but if you take it beyond a certain point, that is new construction, which means when you sell it, it should trigger HST. This is also why I'll be curious. Uh, a lot of people put their lives out there and flippers love to go online and be like, this is me, this is me doing it. And you know, now I'm going to have a company and I'm going to call myself this and I'm going to build this big brand. And those that have business experience kind of realize, Oh, now I'm clearly operating as a business. Like once you reach that threshold, um, you become a business and you need to be a little bit more careful. It's one thing if you're living in your own space and kind of renovating while you live there and then selling it. Uh, or it's one thing if you maybe do this on the side to your main job and you can kind of be under the radar a little bit. But once you go out there and start banging your drum and, and tooting your horn, um, you are going to be a business. Like you're out there saying that you're a business, don't be surprised when the government treats you like a business come tax time. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, I think we've been living in a bit of a free marketplace, wild west for a while. And so it's, I don't know, there's definitely things that need to be cracked down on. Um, but again, this is an interesting time for them to be coming after that when pretty much one of the strongest things in our economy is real estate. Yep. Um, so Well, that's the other thing too. They realize that the percentage of GDP that they can really get access to like the biggest thing that's growing in GDP is real estate. Yeah. So if they want to continue to fill their coffers, right? That's the government. They want to continue to get their tax. Like, what's the biggest part of the economy? Who's, that's who's making money right now that we can we could actually squeeze this from? Yeah. Um, so, anyways, it, it's. Uh, I wish the thing is like I know it's been kind of a gray area in a lot of things, and like when you ask an accountant, oftentimes like, well, it's not for sure, and so I'm like, and they don't have a like a dedicated set standard. I'm like. It's really hard for them, to, even for them, to come after the money when they haven't clearly outlined how it works. Because um, there's no guarantees totally on yeah. like substantially renovated, like what defines that. Like they don't say like it's a dollar amount. It's a certain percentage of it that needs to be assessed by somebody. Like so, like there's a lot of items that are gray areas for them to then come after it is really. This is also why, it. yeah, I think they're coming after the timeline. And I, I, I wish I had this in front of me. I, I There's don't. There's no maybe, timeline right now. But they're they're going to put one in that's like you cannot buy and sell a home inside of twelve months. Like I think it's, I think it's six right now. Um, but like they're going to put this time limit uh, that's going to remove some of the speculative buying and some of the the flips, right? By saying if if you have a property and you sell it before X amount of months, then that we're going to consider a business endeavor and you're going to be taxed accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. So people are going to have to take keep their flips for longer, whether they want to or not. Um, and there's going to be ramifications with that as well. It's more cost. And if they got to start charging HST on the properties, just know now that flipped houses are going to cost even more money. That's what that's going to oh, result Oh, yeah. It's going to get passed on to the consumer but, one way or the other. Um, before we jump to the main topic, I know we've said this a few times now. Two things I want to say. Uh, if you're interested in our personal news, I know we usually start with that. We're going to have it at the end. So we're still going to give you guys an update on what we're doing, what's going on in our lives. We both have some interesting stuff. Uh, so we're going to continue to do that, but we're just going to have it at the end uh, instead of the start now. Let us know if you guys are okay with that or what you think. If you want us to move it up, uh, we, we will. But we just want to try out a little bit new format to get into some of the the exciting news early because we found, I think we were running into our main topic a little too late. Yeah, yeah. Um, we kept blabbering on about this stuff before we got to our main exactly. topic. Exactly. We digress too much, but... 
I have one last one I want to say that I think is kind of funny, um, and it relates to the current markets. As we said, there's lots of inventory coming on market, like you said, New York and all that. A agent in Toronto, I'll give him the shout out, Omar Ibrahim. He made a tag Omar if you guys know him. Yeah, totally tag Omar. He did a billboard ad in Toronto, and he said, "Real estate today is a lot like sex. So many options to choose from." Uh, wow, Omar, getting a little frisky there, bud. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty funny, especially where, like, this, again, this wouldn't have worked for the last two years, but now as the market inventory grows, he hopped right on it and instantly got that billboard. He seems to be getting a lot of attention online, and so we'll feed into that and give him a bit more. Um, it's a good thing I, I was going to say Omar coming, like the uh, the Y reference, but then I didn't know what your billboard you were going to follow up on. Yeah. <laughs> inappropriate. So um, apparently sex sells. Sex sells, and their real estate is sexy, man. So yeah. let's go. Yeah. Let's go. All right, guys. Thanks for listening up until this point. Stay tuned. We're about to talk about why we think right now is the best time to be buying, or a great opportunity at least. And then we talk about our personal news. Chandler's got some cool deals on the go, and I'm also dealing with some lawsuits that are not super fun. So check it out. Also, if we're not at 100 likes yet, please like, comment, subscribe. We're trying to get to 100 likes. If you do, we'll do the conspiracy episode. We got some interesting things to say. So anyways, let's hop into our main topic. And that is what we were saying, why we think now is a great time to buy. A fantastic time to buy. Even though everything is against that, and there is potentially more downturn, and there is potentially more rate hikes, and on, on, and on. Chandler and I both uh, made a list of items and reasons why we think you can still get a great deal now and, and kind of how to look at it depending on whether you're a home buyer or an investor. So Yeah, I've got my top three reasons. And I just want to pause right here and say, if you guys are enjoying things to this point, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and all that stuff. Comment down below what we, you think of those news stories we likes. just threw out there. And reminder, we need those 100 likes, and we're going to drop the conspiracy episode. So if you want to hear that, get your tinfoil caps ready, drop the like. And also, we launched our Patreon. Thanks to those of you who have checked it out. If you haven't, go check it out. So our main topic, I've got my three as to why now is a, is a good time to buy. We're going to be contrarian here, man. Like everyone's saying out there, doom and gloom. Oh, I'm not, I'm going to sit on the sidelines. And you talked about it a minute ago, yeah. talking about sitting on the sidelines. I'm over that. And in fact, I think people need to seize the opportunity. And if done correctly right now, this is an opportunity. Totally. And yeah. people are going to kick themselves if they miss this. I'm, I'm big with going with the trends, going with the tide. Um, but you also need to think for yourself a little bit and sometimes following it too closely, you'll always just get the same return. You'll kind of chase the market. Um, so sometimes you have to still go after opportunities like on both ends. And I also, again, want to preface this with, we're not financial advisors. This is our best advice based on our knowledge. Um, and again, we are understanding that there may be more downturns to come and there may be, um, more issues coming down the pipe and not necessarily to be doing this if you're in a precarious situation. But you're saying like the best thing to do is to, to, or you like to go with the tides. That only is really works to your benefit. That's only really advantageous if you start with the, at the start of the tide, right? So there's a lot of reasons to think the tide is turning, right? And so now everyone's going in opposite direction. Well, what if you can um, start to start your road on, on like the next pivot, meaning what is the next tide to come and can you catch that wave earlier, right? Because ev- everyone got swept up on this tide that we just had for the last three years, which was up, up, up. But some of the people that were just following that late in the game, you know, haven't done quite as well. Now as things turn, there's a new direction coming and, and it could be a good time to buy. And you can also, you never can time it perfectly. I learned this with like trading stocks. Um, it's like, I'm like, oh, like I sold at $10, but it went to 14 Like I, I left all this on the table. 
but you captured your gains yeah. and you will never be able to perfectly predict that timing. And it's the same with all of these things. It's on, on the buy. Like when you buy, like, oh, it went down another 20%. Yes, but again, if you if you made a good investment, a good principal investment, long term, it comes back and it'll surpass that. And you'll never get it exactly on those points. But you want to make sure you got a good buy on the buy side. And when you sell, you got a good price for the sell side. And as long as you follow that, there'll always be a bit more juice left on either end. But you can't, if you're, if you're so focused on trying to time that, you're, you, there's a good chance you're going to miss things, right? Like, yeah. if you're trying to hold out to sell, hold out to sell, and now it dived off, like, then you It's could, a fool's errand. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's yeah. just no way to know for sure, because, like, you can't predict the news and world events and political events. Like, you might have some insider trading info, and that's a little different story. But if you don't have that, it's almost impossible to time things perfectly. That's why, yes, there could be a little bit more dip, depending on where your market is. There could be a more substantial dip. I know in our market... I don't see much more dip than we're having right now. So there could be a little bit more and, and maybe you give back two or 3% in the first six months, but I do feel there's a, a, a continued upswing that's going to come next year and the year following. So, you know, it's, it's like paying perhaps a, a ticket price premium of two or 3% on a stock that you genuinely believe has an upswing of 10 to 15%. I would do that every time. So let's dive into the reasons why. I mean, I've got, I've got three here. You want me to start with my first start one? Start with your first one. My first one is, if more competition was bad, then less competition must be good. The challenge with buying over the last three years has been competition, competition, competition. Everyone's been screaming about it. It's why all these bidding platforms started to open up saying, we need more transparency. These multiple offers are getting out of control. Blah, blah, blah. I can't win a house. I'm so ticked off about there being 20, 40 uh, offers on a place. Well, right now, that's not the case. So if the multiple offer situation was putting you off and competition and demand, excessive demand, was effectively driving this price train, well, now we don't have that. So intuitively, that automatically means it's a better time to buy right now. There is less competition when bidding on properties. That is a good thing for a buyer. So awkwardly, that was my number one. Good news, I classically put more than three. Okay, well, good. So I'm going to go into my next one, and it's a similar concept, is sellers are feeling the pressure. So if some people are selling to try and capture the market, you're already seeing them. They're just withdrawing their listing. If they didn't need to sell, but he's like, if I can get this much money, and it's not even really worth that, like it's not even going to appraise for that, but they're willing to make up the difference and pay the cash, I will take that. So those people are pulling off. And Agreed. the ones that you're seeing that are remaining on, they've been on for 100 days or 70 days, and you're starting to see some price reductions. I've already seen it where I've brought clients through, and I get a call after from the agent. I, I, I never had that. They never called me after for the last two years. No. Why would I waste the time when I already got yeah. 15 offers? Yep. Now they're calling me like, hey, how'd your showing go? Oh, bring us a bid, you know? Yeah, anything would go. Yeah. Um, and like this one, last one called me twice and said, hey, they are very keen to sell. Like, don't be sticker shy here like if you want to come in under there's a good chance we can stick something together and so honestly the sticker price wasn't even bad to begin with like 100 oh, six yeah. months ago that sticker probably would have been 20 percent higher or if that sticker price was that it would sell for 20 percent higher exactly right? yeah. and so seeing that i was like this is amazing we can then bring this down a bit and it was an investor and so we ran our numbers at sticker price and it made sense for them and so now he's gonna get a discount and get more lift out of that property so i'm like these are things that you're seeing now. A lot of these places that are sitting on there, there's a lot of price reductions going on. Even on properties where people have just bought new stuff that they're just like new bills that they're getting and they now need to sell it. Like they can't carry two homes. And not everyone is extremely necessarily money motivated. We've talked about this before too. Yeah, not every seller is doing this just to cash in. Others exactly. And so they're happy to, to make that move. So 
that's one of my big ones is that now the sellers that are on there that are selling a lot of times are needing to sell for whatever it may be as a reason. And it goes back to an older style market where you can go in and you guys can negotiate on your prices. That's not all of them. I still have some that like we couldn't come together on a 10 grand difference and we were paying a great price for a property that's probably not necessarily worth as much. Um, But like I'd say there's a lot of them that I'm finding and it's more and more frequent every day that goes by seller's confidence does get beat up. Yeah, seller's confidence is waning, so they're getting more realistic. But also, you can feel confident. Like, as a buyer, like any seller who is putting their home on the market now and in the months to come is going to be a legitimate seller, right? If they were just about like, oh, I'll sell if I get my number, they wouldn't even be bothering to put it on right now. So the sellers who are listing their homes in this market are serious about selling. That means they're going to be reasonable on their price expectations. They're going to be open to negotiate, all other things equal. And if something comes up on the inspection, man, you might actually have some leverage on a place. There was a time for the last three years that was like, you could find anything on the inspection. So I'd be like, well, what do you want to do about it? You going to take it or not? Because if not, we're going to sell it to someone else. So this is actually an opportunity for buyers where there's less competition and more motivated sellers. If you put those things together, that is a good time to buy. We can talk about interest rates and we're going to get into that here in a second. Um, but if you just look at those two things, less competition and more made of motivated sellers, intuitively, everyone out there listening, even people that don't, you know, aren't engaged in, in real estate, understand that that's just inherently a, a good time to buy. Exactly. But the last one is the interest rate. So we've talked about this, and you can check out the last episode, and it's it's all about purchasing power. And some people who paid at, at the height of the market, um, you know, they have an advantage in the sense that they have a lower interest rate than people who are buying now. Okay, so yes, they may have paid more, but their monthly payments actually may be less than someone buying now. Someone buying now could make the counterpoint of, yes, I'm paying a higher interest rate, but my actual ticket price, what I paid for the property is lower, and I can potentially pay that debt off quicker um, and, and capture more equity as the market rises back. So there are two sides of that coin. Well, what if right now could be a hybrid of the best of both of those? You're not paying the higher ticket price, uh, sticker price, you're paying a, a lower ask. And yes, you might eat it on the rate in the short term, but I don't know about you, Neil, I'm optimistic that these rates are going to tick a little bit higher and then come back down to something more akin to, you know, 2019, 2020. Um, and that if someone is willing to stomach two years of slightly higher rates or at least some unpredictability, in the long run, uh, those rates are going to come back down and someone who buys now will get the advantage of both the lower ticket price and the same interest rate or close to it that some of their peers might have paid over the last two years. I'm going to add a bunch of little asterisks and I want to explain this a little more for everybody. So for example, uh, if you have someone, and also before I even get into that, I'm going to preface with, if you bought six months ago, you're not in bad shape. At the end of the day, time is your friend. This ebbs and flows, but it continues to ebb upwards. Like there's always going to be, even if inflation isn't 10%, it's going to be, let's say two, three, 4% the values of these properties will continue to increase and eventually everyone will kind of be in a decent spot. Um, We're looking at like a very short time span and making money in a short period of time. But if you're buying for a longer extended period, it's not a big deal. If it's an investment, you can hold it for longer and rent and cover those things. So neither buying today or before was better or worse necessarily, but we do think that now can be a really good opportunity to buy. But I want to break down what Chandler's saying. So for example, let's say somebody bought a house for five, let's say $700,000 um, six months ago, and they're now in a 2% interest rate. 
then someone buys the same house today for 600 grand at a 4% interest rate. Okay, so now they're going to be in that for two years. The person who bought for 700 in two years also has to renew their mortgage. Yep. And the person who bought today is going to renew in two years. So in two years' time, you're both going to have the same interest rate. So let's look at this two-year window. Yeah. So in two years, at six hundred thousand dollars, you're going to pay an extra two percent. So two percent a year on six hundred grand is twelve thousand bucks. So in two years, you're going to pay twenty-four thousand dollars extra in interest. So effectively, you paid six twenty-four for that house, which the person next to you paid seven hundred grand for. And then in two years, you're both going to re- renew yep. at the same rate, and off you go. And so now you paid six twenty-four. Who owes more? And who owes right? more money? Yeah. So this is this is like a way of looking. I understand that a lot of people are like, "Wow, well, like how can, I'm not going to buy it five percent? Like that's yep. out of this world." But it's that's not for the 25 years. Like that is for your term period. And again, like we've exactly. talked about, exactly, exactly. Take, take a shorter term if you want to bank on. It. Take a variable term if you want. To, if you're really confident in where it's going, even if you take the longest term, like eventually over 25 years, everyone's going to have to renew minimum five times, but probably closer to 10 times. And it's gonna it's gonna balance out. So like again, these are like micro windows that we're looking at and we're getting hypersensitive to. But this is this is like a twenty five year play if you're holding onto it as a personal home, or it's it's even a few year play at minimum. And we're not even talking about out. some of the intangibles of like, well, it's either that or you stay in your apartment or your parents' basement or you sit on the sidelines and and just hope that um, you know you one day buy a property. It's like there are opportunities and there are reasons why now could be the absolute best time for you to buy. Exactly. The The other point I want to make in there, so that was your third. I know I stole your second, which is the same as what I had for my second. Um, but is inflation actually benefits you as a borrower, right? Because so what yeah. inflation does is it means there's more money supply. Inflation causes your dollar value to be worth less. So if you borrow money today, that 500000 that you borrowed today is worth a hell of a lot more than what you would get in the future effectively making your debt worth less. It's easier to pay back in the future as your money, as there's more money supply, as wage increases take place, as the values of things go up, your debt value actually is going to shrink, right? So borrowing today is not necessarily a bad thing to do, and especially when inflation is this high. You're still getting that gap where you're still going to be making money. Again, it's not money you're going to get in your pocket today, but it's, it's money you're going to make over time as things continue to run up. Yeah, that might kind of mess with people's brains a little bit there to understand. But look at it this way, in an extreme I'm example. I'm to come up with a good way yeah. to explain it. So say tough. someone who owned $100 in 1910, that was a lot of money that they owed in 1910. Yeah. Someone that owes 100 bucks today, it's not a lot of money, right? So debt actually goes down in value as, you know, as, as inflation happens, right? Um, so what Neil is alluding to is, uh, if you have a debt now and you can lock in a debt now at today's dollar values, as inflation continues to happen and they're trying to slow it down, but it, it's still happening, your debt actually gets cheaper in terms of real value. It's a kind of an interesting way to think about it. Um, and also the implied other side of that coin is as inflation is going up, as we've seen, a lot of that's driven by real estate. So if inflation continues to be high, that means real estate's going to continue to be high, which means your equity gap, your equity growth, you know, what you have in your value, your asset wealth is going to continue to appreciate. So exactly. these are all reasons why, counter to what you may be hearing out there and what your friend that you have coffee with and, and what your parents might be telling you, there's really good opportunities to buy right now if you think about these things. Don't let your friend rub their 1.48 interest rate in your face. Yeah, don't make them give you rate insecurities. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so before we before we cut out here, we want to tune into our personal news like we said we would. Yeah. Um, so if you want to do just a quick one, what, what do you got going on? 
Um, so I'm people who have listened to this episode, uh, this show before. Uh, we we track our purchases that we're making personally through our corporations, uh, and one that I've been working on for the last little while is in package deal. Uh, an assortment of properties that are very different, but they're all they're all adjacent to one another, like this one one road kind of. And I've got an offer sheet or uh, a term sheet from the lender on the largest building, which is a 16 unit. But the rest is like land, single family, duplex, duplex, triplex. It's a mixed bag. So I'm now working with that lender to kind of go to another one of their departments to put a different lending product on the rest of it. Um, you know, because the seller wants to sell these things all together. So I'm making progress on it. It's slow. Yeah. Uh, but it's good to have the term sheet offer for on the on the biggest part of it. It's a big step. And now I just need to piecemeal the rest. Um, so working on that, that's my big thing. And then, of course, I got the new building, the 12 unit that, um, you know, bringing all the tenants on board to the new way things work. And, yeah. you know, even just communicating with tenants and collecting rents and how does everyone pay and when do they pay and, you know, how do I get a hold a of them? All little nuances little things, all that, all that stuff. And meanwhile, still pushing ahead, renovating those other 14 units that are all in um, various stages of, of renovation, but hoping to come to market with the first units around October. Nice. Exciting. Um, yeah, for me, one thing I want to open with, and this is something I'm dealing with presently, I think I've mentioned it before, um, is I have a basically a slip and fall suit with a tenant. Oh. I'm not going to say any specific details. Um, but it was a fairly stretched case for them to be able to pull on me. But I'm starting to realize now as we go through this that this is a professional tenant. And what I mean by that is is they came into the property with the full intent oh my to God. take me for everything that they could. And this is stuff that oh, you, you, don't, like, you hear about once in a while. But they found a very like wishy-washy way to say that they had a slip and fall. Um, and it really was not legit. I'll honestly say. I mean, I don't know how much I can say on here, but it hasn't settled out yet. When that didn't really slide, they added in a bunch of other injuries uh, mm. that didn't totally make sense. Uh, again, once this all settles out, I'll give full details. But I'm going through that now. We're now going through a settlement process. At the same time, I asked my <laughs> manager to bring up their file. They actually didn't pay the last three months of rent either. They were in a new building that I have. And so they owe me around 5 k in rent. Plus, now I have to pay them out. So like they came in for one year. They they line, like they timed it all perfectly. They came in, they were super nice, like amazing people. They said hi to me when I'd pull up to the property. They knew were nice to the manager. They were gonna help with this and that and blah 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 blah. Then they started slipping fall suit about six months from the end of their lease. They chose not to renew, and then they just stopped paying. And so now I'm trying to go through a tenancy hearing to try and get back my five thousand dollars. Plus, on top of that, I am now owing them a bunch of money as well. So, like, they are going to have not only live for free in my property, but they're going to walk away with cash in hand. And they've gone off to go do this to somebody else. And this have, is not... Do, do you know if they have any history doing this before? I don't know. And I'm going to try mm -hmm. and ask a few of my clients and friends who yeah. are larger landlords. But I feel like they have lists what they would probably be on. But they're going... I'm pretty sure they just go from new building to new building. Because any new building you go into... Like, I was in one the other day. It's a beautiful 100-unit building... Uh, in downtown Halifax, and like it's not finished, but ten, like everyone's moved in, like they allowed it. But the lobby, like there's stuff sitting around, like you could easily stub your Trip toe on, on, it, on a piece of metal. That's or, why I get cameras, man. Get there, cameras. There was, put there was them a bunch everywhere. of doors unlocked into spaces that are full of tools and stuff like that. I'm like, you can easily hurt yourself in there. Um, and yeah, I even had cameras, but they went like literally, like this is how well planned it was. Like there's one flight of stairs, well, it's like four steps that you can't see, and that's apparently where it took place. Like they looked wow. around, figured out where they could go, 
and, and did this. And so I'm going through this, but again, this is just something like that not everyone Man. hears about or recognizes. And I know landlords are the evil devil and all those things, but this is also what we face. And so like, I'm like, look, I have to charge X amount of rent because I have to factor in that's so dumb might, stuff like this yeah, crazy. where they're going to come in and screw me on, in, in this. So anyways, that's one of the things that I'm facing. Um, on a more cheery note, I'm adding another Airbnb to another unit. Um, we've been doing really well. We are going to convert them over to long-term rentals for the winter. Uh, okay. Just, just long-term furnished rentals. Yeah, I've talked to a yep. bunch of people who've been in the Airbnb space for years and years and years, and they're just like, the winter's brutal. Like, you got to drop rates a bunch, vacancies go up, you start getting bad reviews because you're getting people that don't necessarily appreciate what you're offering or they don't think the deal's good enough. Um, so we've already, we're like, okay, we're going to do long-term rentals with them, furnished rentals. Um, and I think that'll also keep banks and stuff happy to see that most of them, like eight months of the year, they're long-term rented. And then we might do some, some other stays. So you got two now and you're adding a third. We got two now. We're adding a third. Um, so my girlfriend manager, she's getting really good at it. She's super proficient. She's kills it. They come out gorgeous every time she deals with the the guests super, super well. So shout out to her. She's absolutely killing it. I could not be doing it without her. Hashtag super host. Hashtag super host. We're very close. Hopefully we get that soon. Um, but yeah, so then the last thing is I am starting to review deals again. Remember, I've been talking about for the last six months, I've been parking everything, not doing anything. Um, I'm in a position where I'm starting to look through some stuff. Once I get some of them firmed up, I'll tell you guys what I'm doing. It's a little different than what I have been doing to date, just because, I mean, there's a little bit of frustration with what's going on with all of the rules, the rates, and some of the stuff I'm facing with tenants. Um, but anyway, so I have some exciting news, hopefully within a few months uh, that I can share with you guys. But that's everything I got. Cool. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys like our new format. It was a little bit choppy oh, today. Oh, we have a desk now, too. We, we have a new desk. We have a desk. No, we didn't. Yeah, we didn't mention. We're in our new space. We have a desk. We have a bunch of cool stuff coming that's going to spruce this area up. Yeah. Um, we got our little golf and hockey guys over there. Uh, yeah, and we've got oh. the the Patreon. So thanks to those of you who have checked that out. We're going to keep yeah. loading that with content, including deal analysis, spreadsheets, how to get private money, how to track down sellers, all that stuff. That's available on the Patreon. I know some of you are already checking that out. We get um, into the nitty-gritties on the Patreon. We're going to be doing portfolio portfolio analysis on there, ours, other people's. We're going to be doing, like you said, spreadsheets. There is going to be a lot of, like, if you want help really getting your business off the ground or learning some more stuff or you're just getting started or you want to advance your business, we're trying to give you everything that we learned in our process and what allowed us to, to grow our businesses. Uh, yeah. And we're trying to make it available on there, but we felt that it was a better space to put it on there than through the podcast because I think a lot of listeners aren't necessarily as... They're not uh, into the, the nerdy, gritty DOTL. Uh, yeah. Also, I think it was Dan that, that asked about, will there be a forum? And yes, there's 100% going to be a forum on our, our website to, now. to shop um, deals and, and to potentially seek partnerships and all that sort of thing. So check all that out. Again, like, follow, subscribe. You can see right now, how many likes does this video have? If it's below 100, it's we below really, 100 we you better to, smash that thing. Smash so, that thing. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for checking it out. Thank you for tuning in for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use. And if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a rating and send us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media at Master Keys Podcast. See you next week. When, 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 when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.